right, come on, good morning. Who's excited to be worshiping with your church family this morning? Man, I love worshiping with our church family, no matter if it's snowing outside, cold outside, hot outside, I just love being with the family of God. And we wanna welcome everybody at our Ashland campus as well, and uh, what God's doing there in Boyd County and all in between is super, super exciting to see. And everybody watching online, hopefully if you're traveling, you're staying warm. It is cold out there, but man, I'm telling you what, it's just so hot up in here, seeing what the Lord is doing in our worship. Can we just get for our worship team? They have to do an amazing job every week, man. We love those guys so, so much. Well, we're in part two of this series called Ecclesia, and we're asking the question, what is the church? Now, all of you have a mindset when it comes to the word church. Some of you have had good experience, bad experience. You may think of a hypocrite, judgmental. You make of something loving, great, hymns, steeple. I still don't, can't believe how many emails we get. Where's the church steeple in your building? I mean, you may think it's a church building or whatever you may go to. We all have our mindset about church, and last week we laid the foundation that Jesus says, I will build my church. That word church in the Greek is the word ekklesia, which means called out ones. God said, I will draw men and women to myself. I will call them out of the world. I'll call them out of the sin and I will build my church on them. And so that's what we are today. We're talking about the building, the foundation of the church. When Jesus made that statement, I will build my church. He's the leader of it, he constructs it, he builds it, and it says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the last of this series. The Bible is full of different analogies when it comes to the ecclesia, to us, to the church. I thought about going through every single one of them today, but there's so much content, really we could do like seven week study talking about the different ones, but here's just a few real quick. The Bible says the church is a body. I'll talk a little bit more about that next week, that we are the body of Christ. And when the body is healthy and works together, watch it, it is unified. See, the devil is not afraid of a large church, but he is afraid of a united church. And when the church is united together, fulfilling the mission of the church, I'm telling you what, we could change the world. The Bible says that the church, the ecclesia is a building, that we are the temple of God, that God doesn't dwell in man-made things anymore that when you give your life to Jesus, guess what? He comes and lives within you and now you are the temple. He's tabernacled within you. You are the temple of God. So watch this, we don't go to church, we brought the church to a building to worship this morning. So we are the building, we're the temple of God and it's a picture of him indwelling us where he comes and lives within us. And then we're the bride of Christ. We talked about that Jesus is the groom. The groom has gone to prepare a place for us and someday he'll come back to get his bride. That's us to receive us. The beautiful picture of the bride and the groom is a beautiful picture of intimacy. That the church is where we find intimacy with each other and with the Father. That like he is intimate with us as the bride and the groom. And then we have the flock of God. There's where we're the sheep, right? We're the sheep of God, there's a shepherd, he's the great shepherd, he takes care of us. There's so much analogy, there's so much we could talk about. But at the end of the day, one of the big takeaways of us being the flock and him being the shepherd is that he is our provider, that he gives us our provision. The shepherd takes care of the sheep, leads and guides and protects them. In the same way as the flock of God, as the people of God, he provides for us as we also provide for one another. And then there's the garden. The garden is a picture there where it's, the, where it's the vine and we're the branches and we're stay connected to the vine. If we stay connected to Jesus, if we see this, then there is a union where we become one. 
In fact, Jesus prayed. That if you want to know what the Lord's prayer is, that's John 17. He says, my prayer is that they will be one. For if we are one, then the world will know that we're truly followers of Jesus. And so that's my prayer, is that we will be unified and that we'll be one. And then there's one more, and it was the priesthood. It's the priesthood of the believers. Remember, we talked about this, that we don't have to have a priest anymore, that Jesus becomes our high priest. And because he has clothed us with his robe of righteousness, we now can go and have access to God. We don't have to go anywhere. We can access God anytime we want. But one of the main responsibility of the priest were to serve. And the Bible says that we are now the priests of the believers, that we are servants of the Most High God, that we are to serve Him with our gifts and with our talents. But there's one more that I wanna focus on today. And this is the one I wanna, to hopefully before we leave here, that we would understand and we'll just grasp this a little bit better. And that is that we are the family of God. What comes to your mind when you think of family? Some of you, you have a great family, family is good. Some of you've had a pretty rough upbringing, you have an okay family. Some of you don't even know your family. Some of you had like weird family. Anybody got any weird family members? Come on, you got weird family? See, the ones who didn't raise their hands, cause you're the weird one. That's why, they, if they, your family's here like, yeah, I'm gonna sit beside like, They're the weird one. Wait, wait, we have, when, when you think of family, a lot of times we may bring that dysfunctional, and we all have dysfunctional families, thinking about the family of God. And listen, this is a dysfunctional family because we're people. People are messy. Life is messy. If you are looking for a perfect church, listen, this is not one for you. It's not perfect. But we're gonna do everything we can to do everything that God wants to do, fulfill the vision, the mission that he has given us. So we wanna focus on the family. The church is not an event. Today, you didn't come to an event. You didn't even come to a service. You didn't come to a building. The church is not something you go to, it's something that you belong to. And the question I want you to answer, do I belong to the local church? Now, when you repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus, you're part of the Big C Church, the Big C family of God. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world today, all over the globe today, worshiping. And guess what? They are your brothers and they're your sisters in Christ. Because here's what I believe. The deepest longing to every person on the planet the deepest longing of every one of our hearts is a personal relationship with God. Every person on the planet was born with a void in their heart. And they've tried their whole life to fill that void with something. They do it with a degree, they'll do it with job, they'll do it with their relationships, they'll do it with material stuff, with substance, with sex, with prestige, with status, they'll do whatever they can to fill this void. And when they finally get what they want, they'll realize, why is it not enough? Why is there still something missing in my life? That's because you were created with the capacity to have a relationship with your creator. And he wants to have a relationship with you. How does he do that? Well, we learned last week, Jesus says, I will build my church. How does God build the church? With divine revelation. He opens your eyes, you see Jesus, he draws you. The John 6, says that no man or woman can be saved unless God draws them. How does God draw people to himself? With the gospel that Jesus came, he died, and he got up out of the grave. And if you believe and repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in him, guess what happens to you? You're adopted into the family of God. That you have been adopted into the family of God. God has already paid the price with his son, with his blood. He's already signed the papers. It's irrevocable, it can't be changed. And now you have been placed and you have now been adopted into the family of God. Welcome to the family. That's what happens when you give your life to Jesus. Look what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter one. Even before he made the world, 
Before God even spoke the universe into existence, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance, now watch this, before he created the earth, the moon, the heavens, the stars, all the planets, before God created anything, he already decided to do what? Look what it says, to adopt us into his family. How? By bringing us, drawing us to himself through, which way? The gospel, that Jesus came, he died, and he got up out of the grave, which is Jesus. And look what it says, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great, great pleasure. The apostle John says this in John chapter one, it says, but to all who believe, everybody say all. All, anybody on the planet, no matter your nationality, no matter what you, who you are, no matter what, who, who all, whoever you are, it says all who believed him and accepted him, that's Jesus, he gave them to right to become children of God. Now you'll hear people say this all the time, well pastor, we're all God's children. No, we're not. Well, I, we know, Pastor, we're all God's children, no? We all know who we are. Everybody on the planet are, is God's children. No, we're not. We are all God's creation, not his children. The only way you can become his child, it says, is to believe and accept him. And the moment that you move from creation to his child, when you repent of your sins, you've been adopted into the family. And there's no getting out of that. You know, legally, when you adopt someone, you are legally adopted into the family of God. And this is what I love about God's family. There are no orphans. There are no orphans in God's family. And my heart breaks because there's so many people who say they're Christians, or they are Christians, but nobody knows their heart. You can't judge your heart. I can judge by your fruit of your life, but you can't judge your heart. I know that, because who you are, you gotta look inside. But there's so many Christians who claim to follow Jesus, and they are not part of the local ecclesia. They're not part of the local church. They're not, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't participate, they don't really come, they don't really show up. And I'm here to tell you, if you're a Christian and you're not part of a local church, you will live a dysfunctional Christian life. Now listen, it's gonna hit all of us. Father Tom, I turned 47 this year, I'm starting to ache in places I didn't know I ache in your 40s, you know, it's coming for you. And somebody's like, wait till you get 60. You know, like it's coming. And it's gonna come someday, and guess what? And I may not be able to be in person with my family, my spiritual family. I may be bed rested. That's what I love about it. We've been online since almost day one. That's what I love about being around so many people who are in places who cannot just get physically. And then that's where the body cares for the body and we go and we care for them who cannot be here. It's a beautiful picture. Life is gonna happen, it's a cycle life. There's gonna be a day physically that you can't be here. There's gonna be things happening in life and you just can't, and I get that. I'm not here to make anyone feel guilty or shame because but for the rest of us who can, for the rest of us who are searching, for the rest of us who are like the lost sheep who's kind of wandered away, and like why you're not with the family, why you're not with the fold, I'm telling you, you cannot experience the fullness of life that God has planned for you apart from the local church. People say all the time, well my relationship with God is private. The problem with that is that's biblically incorrect. Your relationship with God, listen, it's not private. Your relationship is personal, but it's never called to be private. Your relationship is never called about, I should go to your school, go to your workplace, and everyone at your school, your workplace, or whatever you do, or your family should know you're a follower of Jesus. I should not be able to walk in anybody's office and say, hey, do you know them? They go, do you mean they go to church? Are you kidding me? They, didn't you know? Like they're part, they, that, you mean them, the one in this cubicle goes, wait, what? See, listen, it's, it's personal, but it's never private. 
It's never meant to be privately. And the heart that just aches about this is there's so many people who just flirt with the church. They date the church. They pop from church to church to church to church to church, really with a consumer mindset saying, what's in it for me? How can you bless me? How can it benefit me? Instead of the role reversal saying, what can I contribute? God's given me gifts. How can I help this body? And I'm gonna tell you, at the end of this, at the end of this message or end of this series, if you'll hang out with us, if you'll find out that this is not the local ecclesia, the local church that you need to be part of, listen, I beg you, and I mean this with everything within me, please go find you a great local church. There are a lot of great Bible-believing churches, and it takes different churches to connect with different people. I get that. But for your sake and for the commandments that God has given you to fill out with loving one another, encouraging one another, and being there for the laws of Christ, the Bible says, I beg, go find you a local ecclesia, a local church that you can use your gifts, your talents, you can raise your family in. We have a pathway for you. We are actually redoing that even right now from birth all the way through, we wanna help you follow Jesus so that you can experience a better life. So as part of this family of God, we're gonna do this for one another and we're gonna help one another be everything that God has called us to be. And for the person who says, I do not need the church, is either arrogant or ignorant. They're arrogant because they're prideful, saying, I don't need nobody, I don't need anything. Me and God, we're good, but I can't stand the church. I don't like the church. That's like me come to you going, bro, you're pretty cool, but man, I can't stand your wife. Some of you are laughing because you thought that before, right? I know what you're saying, right? I like you, you're cool, but your wife. So when you say, Jesus, I love you, I believe in you, I'm with you, I'm gonna worship you out in the forest, I'm gonna worship you by myself, wait, 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 wait. But I can't stand your bride. That's a heart issue. So it's either arrogant, I'm prideful, or I'm ignorant. And I don't mean that in a mean way, that's just saying I don't know. No one ever told me really the importance of being part of a local church. There's all kinds of them. You pass them on every street corner, every holler you came out of today, you've passed them all over the place. And so the question is, as you're part of the big C church of God, with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ who worship all over the globe today, but are you connected to the local church, the local ecclesia, which the Bible commands us to be part of. And so that's what you have to deal with and wrestle with as you walk through this being part of the family of God. And at the end of the day, it's because a lot of people just don't really understand or know the benefits, and there's so many benefits. There's so many benefits of being part of the family, but there's just a few that I wanna hit this morning with you as we walk through that. Here's one of the big, one of the big ones. When I get part, when I belong or become part of the family of God, this is what's so cool, I get a new identity. We live in a world where everyone is looking for who they are and their identity. They're trying to find themselves. In fact, we don't even know what identity is. People came to find, they don't even know what truth is. What, we're trying to redefine what's a male, what's a female. And if you say something wrong, you're politically incorrect and you offended so many people and people just wanna counsel you. Listen, I went to the doctor today and I had to fill out this form and it says, how do you identify? And I was like, what in the world? And there were things I had to Google. I didn't even know what some of these words were. I'm like, I didn't even heard of this. What in the world? Like, are you a polar bear? Are you a cat? Like, I mean, just go. Like, I mean, there's all these things. Like, and I'm not making fun. Like, people are like, wait, what do you mean? What do you identify? We are in identity crisis. People don't know who they are. They don't know what they want to be. And they're told one thing, but they feel one thing. They think one thing. And the world says one thing. Where do you find your identity? See, when you give your life to Jesus, you find your identity in Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2. So now you Gentiles, now for Bible students, when you're reading this, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So if you're here today and you're Jew, he's saying for us who are Gentiles, who are not Jews, watch this. So you 
Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. See, we used to be so far off from God. We used to be so far away from God. But now, look what it says. You are a citizen, along with all of God's holy people, you are members of God's family. You see, when I get saved, my status change. Like everything begins to change. My citizenship changed. I have moved from this kingdom of darkness to kingdom of light. My citizenship changes. I got a new identity now. My family changes because I have a spiritual family. And here's what you need to know about this. Your spiritual family will outlast your physical family because your physical family will move away. Things will happen. People will die. That's just, this, that's just it. But your spiritual family, we will worship together for all eternity. You see, when I gave my life to Jesus, my birth certificate changed. No longer was I born from below, John 3. You had to be born again. Now I'm a born from above because the spirit blew in my heart and changed my life. My identity changed. So my question is, where do you get your identity from? What the world says? What the culture says? For a lot of people, it's from their title. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a nurse. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. I'm a pastor. You get your identity and it's wrapped up in your title until your title's taken away. Or maybe for you, it's what you actually, your position, I'm a manager, I'm the CEO, or whatever it may be for you. You identify yourself in the position. For a lot of people, it's the relationships. The best, my favorite title on the whole planet is dad. I love being a dad. It's my favorite title. I get all these titles, I have tons of titles, but my favorite is dad. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm a pastor, I'm a team member here at Bear Life Church, I'm an employee of Bear Life Church. I have so many titles. But what happens when your relationship changes or your titles changes? And I see this happen. Husband and wife, they get divorced. And now that the uses the lady, she, I don't know who I am. I was always known as Mrs. So-and-so. And now my life has been changed. Who am I? Or you go and you retire or you lose your job and you no longer have that title or that position. And everyone saw you with that title and position. Now I don't know who I am anymore. Because you define yourself by a relationship or you define yourself by a title or your job description. Instead of defining yourself or de or as Jesus defines you, of being part of the family of God. And here's the good news. When it comes to Jesus, comes to God's family, your identity will never change. Your identity is permanent and cause your identity will last forever. You now have been adopted into the family of God. And watch this, and because of it, Jesus is not ashamed of you. There's so many people who after they give their life to Jesus, they feel guilty and still feel shame because of their sin and their past. And you feel like Jesus is disappointing you, that Jesus don't approve of you, that Jesus don't like you, which will keep a lot of people from being part of the local church because they don't feel good enough. And that's one of the lies that the devil wants to lie to you to keep you from being part of the local family. And I love this passage the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter two. Watch this. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. We have this in common. We both have the same heavenly father if you put your faith in Jesus. Now watch this. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you know that Jesus calls you his brother? That Jesus calls you his sister and you are not defined anymore by your sins. 
I would pray that you will let that sink into your life. That Jesus wants to call you brothers and sisters. Now, he may think you're weird. There's some weird Christians out there. You ever been around any some weird Christians? Come on now, like, there's some weirds. But he says, you are my brother and you are my sister in Christ. You know, a lot of families, sometimes they'll, they'll put together a family crest and if you do your family tree, you'll, they'll have a, on, a, on a book, we have a family tree book and I look through it and on the book there's like a family crest and the crest kind of represents the family you could pass down forever, whatever you wanna do. You know what the family crest is for the family of God? Baptism. It's a way where you put the crest on, where you show the whole world that I died to my old self and now I'm raised to walk in a new person. I'm part of the family of God because I've been buried with Christ and now I've been raised to walk in a new life. Baptism is a way to show the world publicly that you are not embarrassed or afraid to follow Jesus and that you have been baptized into the body of Christ, to the family of God. On the last Sunday of last year, we baptized 21 people. And maybe your next step of being part of the local church is, well, guess what? It's just to say, you know what? I'm ready to show the world that I'm a follower of Jesus. We have it in a couple weeks. We have baptism coming. And you could sign up for that because we would love for you to take your next step and follow him in baptism. And so I get a new identity, but guess what else I get? I get a support system. I get a support system in the family of God. That I have people here to support me, to hold me up when things come crashing down. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. He says, don't you realize that all of you are together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. See, God don't dwell in man-made things anymore. God don't dwell in a building. He dwells within us. And He's the chief cornerstone and we are the living stones that He begins to build the kingdom of God. And when you are building something, you know this, a building can't stand without connections. A building can't stand unless something supports it. Jesus lays the foundation, then He builds His church. And if you're part of the family, we need to stay connected because there will be times in your life that you will need people. And it's that connection with people that we hold each other up and that we build each other up. Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. See, that's what happens when we're a part of the family of God. We get a new identity, but watch this, we get stability. We are stable on a foundation where we have a support system because you were designed for connections. You were designed for one another. And when the biggest lie the enemy wants to tell you is this, you don't need the church, the church is messed up, the church has problems, you won't find one that, just the way you like it, you know, you won't find one just the way you want to be, you don't need it. You may be later on down the road. And what he wants to do is isolate you. And if the enemy can isolate you, he will assassinate you. He will come after you. Isolation brings loneliness and loneliness brings all kinds of negative emotions. But that's what he wants to say to you. Don't worry about the church. Wait till you graduate college. Wait till you get married. Wait till you settle down. Wait till you find the perfect place. You will not find the perfect church because it doesn't exist. And so you gotta wrestle with this. Am I being isolated or am I part of the family of God? Because I need the connections. I need the stability and the support in my life. So not only do you get a new identity, not only do you find the support system, and lastly, and this one's really, this is really big, is that you find a place where you are protected and cared for. See, the local church is to protect you and to care for you, to love on you and to help you. 
when the world is beating you up or when things get tough, you need people to walk in your life when everyone else has walked out of your life. And that's what the local church is to be for you. It's a place that protects you and cares for you. And the scripture gives us, really there's a few, but a couple groups or people that do that. Number one is your pastors. That your pastor is to care for you, to protect you as a shepherd would. To say hard things when hard things need to be talked. To go against culture when the culture goes against God's word. To stand up and say things, not because it's politically correct, but to protect your heart and your mind. That you will be the men and women that God's called you to be. And you may come in here one day and you feel like, man, he's just beating me up. Man, he's stepping all over my toes. But you ain't gonna leave that way because we're gonna lift you up. You may get beat up, but you'll get lifted up. That's grace and truth to say, yes, you can. You're not defined by your past anymore. You're not defined by your sin anymore. Yeah, you know what? They messed up. They walked out. That happened to you. But guess what? There's the next step. We can help you work through these things. And your pastor is to care for you. Look what Peter says. He says, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. This is the local church that God has entrusted to me as your pastor. Watch over it willingly. It's my responsibility to watch over you. And I say this all the time. I care about every single one of you. But there's no humanly possible way that I can care for every single one of you. That's why we have the systems that we have in place. That's why we have the communication we have in place. And that's why we have the care that we have in place is to make sure you're being cared for. As I said, you are not gonna know everyone at Bear Life Church. Our church is way too big for you to know everybody. But you need to know somebody. And when you know somebody who can care for you and love in you and hold you accountable and be there for you when things get tough and pray for you and walk with you and encourage you, that's what we need. Listen to what Hebrews says. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. The work is to watch over your soul and they are held accountable to God. One day, I will stand before God and I will have to give an account to him on how I shepherd you and what I taught you how I led you, and I do not take that lightly. And so I pray for you, but dear God, please pray for me as we lead this church to be the church, the local church that changes the city, that changes the region, that changes the world, and it starts with you, and it starts with me, and it starts right here. So don't say you don't need the church. You need the church more than anything else, and if you say you don't, the church needs you to fulfill your gifts and your responsibilities. The other group is the body, where the body cares for the body, where we care for one another. Our groups that we have care for one another. Our serving team, if you're part of a serving team, they're gonna care for you. We started family nights last semester. We're gonna kick those back up starting here in February sometime. And when we start, it's another way for us to learn how we share the Bible, teach the Bible, but care for one another and fellowship with one another. We're working through those things. We are a work in progress. As we continue to figure out, God, what do you have for us in this region? So here's my question. Who is looking out for you? Here's the second one. Who are you looking after? Who are you watching out for? Who are you helping and coaching and correcting? And say, come on, let me help you walk through that together. Who are those people in your life? 
You see, that's what I love about, that's what means to be part of the family of God, that I am loved and I have a place to belong. And everyone's looking for a place to belong. This is a place for you, where you can have a family and learn your new identity, find your support system and your stability, and watch this, and have security of knowing that you are permanently part of the family of God. Where else in the world is that gonna happen for you? Where else besides the local church? So don't stay disconnected. Get connected. Listen, you're not only welcomed here, you're wanted. We want you to be part of the family of God. And listen, there's so many next steps that you could take. Maybe your next step is to give your life to Jesus. Your next step is to be baptized. Maybe it's like, hey, I just want a little bit more information. We have an entire next step place designated just for you to say, hey, I have some questions. If this is part of the local ecclesia, the local church you're gonna be part of, hey, here's some, way I'm, here's some things I can do. Here's how I'm gifted. How does God wanna use me to build up this body? And just take that next step. It can be scary. Like, man, I don't know anybody. Let's take the next step. And then watch God move in your life. And there's some of you here right now, you're saying, Pastor, I'm already doing that. I'm already serving. I'm already being generous. I'm already, you know, inviting people. I'm already, you know, in group studying the Bible. I'm doing everything. I'm doing what the church, especially, what do you want me to do? And here's what I encourage you to do. Continue to fall in love with Jesus and invest your life with Jesus and in the local church. Because at the end of the day, something can happen across the world and things go crazy and Russia and China and all the stuff you see on the news and everybody's panicking about. Don't need to be alarmed. Be aware, but don't have to be alarmed. Until Jesus comes back, and he's coming back, but until he does, the church will always be here. From day one, God has always had a remnant of people to continue to advance the good news. And so with that, I would say there's no greater investment than to invest in the kingdom of God through your local church by serving God with serving with your spiritual family. And it's with this last verse that I wanna leave us with. And it's Ephesians, it says this, 3.21. It says, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus, watch this, through all generations, all generations. And if Jesus tarries for another 5,000 years before his return, I promise you in 5,000 years, there will be a gospel group of believers, an ecclesia, a local ecclesia, who proclaims the good news until Jesus comes. So I'm telling you, the greatest investment we could ever make is investing in the local church. I'm gonna ask you would to bow your heads. So what is your next step? God woke you up this morning. You got out in this very cold Sunday morning to go to church. Then maybe the Holy Spirit is shifting something within your heart to realize, I didn't go to church, I am the church. And I need these things in my life. I need a support system. I need to be cared for. Or you know what? God has brought me through some unbelievable scars and hurts and pains in my life. And there's people in our local church that needs the wisdom that I've 
have from going through those. And it's a way you can serve. There's just so many things. But if you realize at the end of this series or today, you know what, this may not be really the place for me. Then I beg you, please go find you a local ecclesia. There's great ones all around. A Bible-believing church that you would raise your family in, you would put down your roots, and you will grow until God says to go. Maybe your next step truly is just to give your life to Jesus and to be adopted into the family, and you can do that right now by repenting of your sins and putting your faith and trust in Him. Father, thank you so much that you sent your son Because of him, Lord, we now can be adopted into your family. And Lord, I know there's no perfect family, but we do have a perfect Savior. And we strive with everything within us to bring him all the glory, to magnify his name, to lift him up, Father, so that you would draw men and women to yourself. I pray that you give us all wisdom and discernment to fulfill and figure out the function that you have for us in the family of God. And I pray that you would use us not only to reach our city, but to change our world. And may it start with us as we change from generation to generation. For it's your name we ask and we pray. Amen.